from Los Angeles. This is the Echelon Radio Network. Hi, we are back with the Echelon Radio podcast, and today I have attorney David Oberg with us. Thanks for coming in, David. Thanks for having me. Glad you made it. Glad you made it. Um, let's talk a little bit about you and your practice um, uh, before we get into maybe a couple of the fun things that we have to talk about today before we finish. So let's hear a little bit about um, uh, your background as an attorney. I know you had some big uh, law firm experience, but then you kind of went out on your own and you've really um, sort of made a uh, made an art out of, uh, out of your practice, I think. Um, you're one of the few people who I know has... Um, said very proudly that he answers his own phone. So tell me a little bit about uh, how you got into law, uh, where you've been, and, and your practice now. Well, I did my undergraduate work in business, anticipating that I would do some sort of business-related law. And my practice today is that. It's a business transactional practice for probably 50-60% of it. We do a lot of uh, entity formation, corporate compliance, corporate uh, governance, uh, some mergers and acquisition work, it, anything other than really litigation. We try to shy, shy away from that. The other half of the practice is pure bankruptcy and insolvency. So it's those two uh, practice groups. I started uh, my uh, career at an insolvency boutique over in Century City. And after just a few years, there was a group of us that broke off, and we merged with a very large national firm, McDermott, Will & Emery. And I became a partner over at uh, McDermott, Will & Emery, and it was a great experience. It was nice being part of a large group, 1,000 lawyers, when I left there in 1995. Uh, 220 partners. Uh, it's a, it was a big shop. It's a big firm. And uh, I went out on my own in 1995, and I had been out on my own ever since. And uh, it's... Uh, it's nice, and I, I do joke about that. It's uh, uh, I really take care of everything in my practice. Um, I answer my own phones. I do my own filing. It's uh, so. So I assume with that, you you probably have, it, and maybe I'm wrong in this assumption, but I, I'm guessing you have a fair amount of um, sort of owner entrepreneur types that. Um, that their business has grown, they need an attorney, and you're kind of a right fit. You're not a big, giant firm. You're not intimidate, intimidating in that way. You do answer your phone. You will pick up a, a phone and talk to a client for a while. It's, um, I'm guessing that's a lot of what your work is. It is very much so. Um, we are very much entrepreneurs. Um, I am a business owner. I have an ownership stake, as you know, in a couple of other businesses because mm -hmm. you've actually helped me with the uh, logo and uh, branding for mm -hmm. those. Um, and so I can relate to um, speaking with a business owner about how the business operates, not from a theoretical perspective as a lawyer, but rather from a person who understands what is it like to make payroll? What do the financials really got to look like in order to get the job done, i.e. get the loan with the bank? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I understand that. And I think that the clients really appreciate it because they don't want to hear the theoretical they want. What's the practical? How do I get from point A to point B in as few steps as possible? You know, I think that that's really one of the most important things that we see with um, small to mid-sized business owners is um, it's almost like a club that we're all in. 
once you've had to make payroll, once you've had to hire and fire people, and you've really sort of been on those front lines, um, I think it's one of those things that a trusted advisor that has that experience brings a little something extra to it, not just the theoretical, but the, but the real life on that. Yeah, clients, in my experience, want to understand the shortest path to get their problem solved. They don't want to know, you know, how to make the clock. They want to know what time it is. And uh, we're able to provide that. The nice thing about my background is I have that really large firm experience, national practice group, but I'm able to deliver that experience um, in a very low cost efficient environment. And I think clients appreciate that today. It's um, they want to get value. And, uh, so they're getting that really high quality legal counsel, but they're not necessarily paying for the marble floor exactly. and the big oak desk. That's and, exactly uh, correct. And the and the Wilshire Boulevard uh, address. That, that's exactly correct. Got it. Got it. Um, so tell me how has uh, <clears throat> obviously this last year, year and a half has been quite strange, um, uh, a, a very challenging road for a lot of us to to. Uh, move along, um, but we seem to be coming out of it a bit right now. How has the last year or so been for you and your firm? It's actually been very amazing for us. Um, <laughs> the uh, the pandemic, where everybody moved inside and started working remote. Well, as you know, I've been working out of the house now for fifteen years. <laughs> so you had a fifteen year head start on the yeah. rest of us. So it was really a, no change for me. It's uh, day one. I went down the hall, went to my uh, office, and day two, exactly the same thing. Uh, what else I did that was different was I expanded the firm. Uh, last year, May, so it's a year now, uh, my daughter Madison, who uh, uh, graduated from law school and then passed the bar, uh, joined me in my firm. So we doubled the size of the firm. We went from one to two <laughs> during the pandemic, uh, and it's, it's worked out very well. Well, and, and we know Madison, and we just we absolutely adore Madison, so... Um, very glad to see that's working well. She seems like a, a, a real good fit. What's interesting to us on the outside is um, you and Madison actually, um, I, I'd say you're cut from the same cloth, but you're really not the same. Two very different personalities. It's it's quite fun for us on the outside to, to sort of know both of you. It is. We have uh, very different um, philosophies. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, look, she's a different generation than I am, and I respect that. But I think that we both respect each other, and we recognize that we have different uh, talent and skill sets. And I think that we actually complement each other very nicely. So um, I actually learn from her as well. Uh, it's not just a one-way street. So it's uh... now tell us there is one other um, key uh, player at the firm, and that player has four legs. Who is that? That's Sophie. Sophie is our chief wellness officer. <laughs> She's a 48-pound uh, uh, pit bull boxer mix and, uh, that we rescued uh, four years ago. And she's just... She's lovely, and uh, she pretty much hangs out, as you know, right by my desk. Yep. And if I'm on a Zoom call, you can usually see her <laughs> next to the, the desk. I tell you, the funniest thing is that she can sense now when calls are ending because she can kind of tell when you're wrapping it up. She's up, 
and she's ready to go because when the call ends, she knows it's time to go out for a little stroll. I was going to say she wants a walk or that, a cookie or that's something. That's exactly right? it. Yeah, yeah, we go out for a walk. <laughs> so, so with um, with Sophie, tell us just real quick um, if somebody wanted to see a picture of Sophie, might they see that on your website? Absolutely, she has her own uh, landing page, and I'll, I'll put a plug in for Madison. Madison has just rescued a dog as well. Uh, Luther and so oh, Luther is now up on the website as well. Oh, wow! wow. <laughs> so and we, that website is Oberg Law APC as an Apple Peter Charles dot com. Very good. Well, I hope everybody goes to see that. Okay, so we've gotten some of the business out of the way. I want to throw out just a couple things to you, and I just want to hear your reaction. And for anybody listening, this is totally unrehearsed. David doesn't really know what I'm about to say. So this is always the fun part for me since I know what I'm going to say. So I'm going to throw out the first one and I'm going to throw out the word Porsche. What does Porsche mean to you? It's a great brand and a fabulous car that I've had the privilege of uh, owning several and uh, enjoy them very, very much. (laughs) And uh, uh, what's been your favorite? Which has been your favorite? Um, I've only had the convertibles, and I think that my absolute favorite is uh, the 911 convertible that I most recently had. And uh, possibly the ultimate sort of Canyon PCH car, I would say. It is. Truth be told, um, the Boxster actually handles a little better, but it's uh, uh, that mid-engine car. But yeah. the, the 911 is uh, just... That's really it. My, uh, my, my dad had an associate when I was a, a teenager, and um, she was a bit younger than he was, and she was a little bit um, less conservative. So she showed up for dinner at our house um, one weekend, and she mentioned that she was going to be uh, taking a trip. And she asked my brother, who was 19, and she asked me, who at the time I was 16, if we would watch after her 9-11 Targa uh, for about three weeks while she was gone. And my dad's eyes almost popped out of his head because he knew what that meant. And he, he was not sure that he liked it. But we said yes before he could say no. And so some of my uh, fondest memories of uh, that year in high school, when, and I had just got my license, which, of course, here in California, getting your license at 16 is everything. And being able to drive, um, you know, I'd, I had to warm up that engine. I had just had to, of course, you know, at least, you know, run a little bit of gas and oil. You don't want the tires to sit, you know, it's, they'll get hard. So, you know, and so we lived out, uh, we lived out on the west side. So driving up PCH was just so cool. Yeah, absolutely so cool. It's truly an amazing vehicle. I think that uh, they, they just. You look at the 911 and you can see how it's uh, evolved over the years, but you can always tell that it's still part of the same family, and they just are amazing cars. I've had the privilege of owning 12 of them at this point. Oh, goodness. It's, yeah, wow. it's, um, they're amazing. They nice. just get better, faster, stronger, and more toys. <laughs> so let me throw another, uh, another concept out to you. Police department. Well... Uh, you'll recall, or maybe you don't recall, but I took a semester off of college, uh, and I joined the police academy. Uh, excuse me, I went to the police academy and then joined uh, Culver City Police Department in uh, 1983. And I 
stayed there as a reserve officer. I promoted and I retired as a reserve captain in 2015, so 32 years later. Uh, that was my community service and enjoyed it very, very much. So, so tell me what that was like being a practicing attorney, but if I was to say it poetically, I'd say you were a practicing attorney with a badge and a gun. It, it, it's true, and I've never, for that reason, uh, had a practice that did anything uh, criminal law related. Uh, I've always been on the uh, on the civil side, and again, uh, business transactional stuff primarily. Um, but it does give you a very different perspective. You tend to meet people at their worst. Uh, people normally only call the police if they need to and there's something bad happening. A very, very rewarding uh, career. Uh, and I think that uh, men, men and women in law enforcement are just absolutely amazing. Probably the hardest job out there. It's uh, un unbelievable what you have to deal with on a daily basis. So I have a tremendous amount of respect for law enforcement. And I'm thrilled that I did it when I did it. I got to, I think, really help people. Um, and it was a very enjoyable experience. And like I said, it's not for everybody. Um, and it was my form of community service. It was something that I didn't get paid for. And if I didn't love it, I wouldn't have done it for 32 mm -hmm. years. <laughs> well, good on you for that. I think that's a, yeah. Uh, I think it's good for people to expose themselves to others around our community that we might not otherwise. And I think for you, um, doing that as a reserve officer, like you say, you can see people when they're at their worst, but ideally you're there to help them that's in one way or another. That's exactly it. And uh, I think it's very important, and we've tried to teach our children the same thing, that you have to give back. You can't just take, take, take. you got to do something for your community. And I wouldn't encourage everybody to go into law enforcement, but whether you join your church or your temple or you, you uh, Madison volunteers at the Agora Animal Shelter, mm -hmm. you got to do something to give back. That's what's really important. And, and I think those of us that have, uh, that have done things like that, um, we find we're as much the better for it as anybody that we try to help along the way. I, I agree with you. Uh, it's There's something very special that happens to you when you can just give uh, to others and help them. And no compensation. It's, uh, it's, it's nice. It's very rewarding. So I've got another one for you. And, and you and I have never really talked about this. We, we scratched the surface one time uh, previously. In fact, I can remember when it was. I was walking through Lowe's. And I got a call from you. And it, through the phone, it sounded almost as if your ears perked up a little bit when I was at Lowe's. And you said you've done a fair amount of woodworking. I have. Um, I, again, just one of those things that I've really, really enjoyed. I started it back in elementary school, then continued woodworking uh, in high school, and then took a lot of that in college as well. I really enjoy finished carpentry work. And in my house, um, I have a full wood shop. Um, and um, yeah, although, I, I, truthfully, at this point, it's harder and harder for me to, to, to justify doing it because um, I'm slow. I'm very methodical. And it's just <coughs> not, cost, not cost efficient. There, mm -hmm. are just, there are people that do it better and faster and less expensive yeah. than me so it's but it's something that i've really always enjoyed but you know i think what it, woodworking is one of those things that it's um 
you know, if you need to get something done, sure, you can hire somebody and they'll, if they do it all the time, they can do it quickly and inexpensively. But I think things like woodworking help save us money on therapy. It's true. Uh, anything uh, where you have to really focus and concentrate on what you're doing, otherwise you're going to lose a finger uh, or an eye, um, you know, because you're working with power tools, it's very important you have to focus on that. Um, but I've channeled my energy into another one of those, which is golf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it, and it's a lot... Safer. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's just, I'll put it to you this way. I think that I, I leave the carpentry to the professionals. They, they really, they can do it so much better than I, uh, but it's, I certainly enjoyed it. So let's, uh, let's there's one more thing I want to I wanna hit on uh, today. And I'm going to throw out another word, and I want everybody listening to know this has nothing to do with how you practice law. And that word is magic. Another long-term hobby. Um, I started um, practicing magic when I was eight years old. I used to live over by the farmer's market, which Mm -hmm. uh, for those who have grown up in Los Angeles now refer to as the Grove. Uh Back then it was just the farmer's market. And there was a great magic shop, and I used to hang out over there. And uh, I had a great mentor who uh, taught me a lot of sleight of hand, and I would demonstrate the uh, magic tricks uh, behind the counter, really got into it, and at 12, I auditioned and became a uh, performing member of the Magic Castle up in Hollywood. At 12? At 12, and I've been there ever since. Ooh. So it's a, again, it's a long-term hobby. I did a lot of magic through high school uh, at uh, uh, parties and events and things of that nature, and then in college, so it was a form of making money. What what kind of magic was your style? I, I, I do sleight of hand, close-up work, you know, uh, cards, coins. Yeah. Wow, we're gonna have to have you uh, maybe break out some coins or coins or cards for us one of these days when we have the What's video it? cameras rolling. My pleasure. Well, David, that's been um, really fun having you come by. Thanks for sharing a little bit about uh, both what you do uh, during the daytime hours and maybe a few of those other things that uh, take up some of the. Uh, other hours of the day or week. So thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Presented by Echelon Business Development. More than just networking. Way more.